0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Week 25 of That Scale RC Show. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Dean, alongside with...
1: Jeremy Kendall.
0: And we have a special guest with us tonight. Would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Uh, Yeah, my name is Gene Boyd. um, From Sacramento, Northern California. Uh, Yep. Yep. Go ahead. You want me to jump
1: right in?
0: Uh, we're going to start with the questionnaire. I was just going to finish up our intro saying, you know, Gene's been a good friend uh, to myself and Jay for the last couple years. Um, I've actually had the honor to hit the trails and hang out with him at a lot of the local events. Um, and it's going to be cool because uh, it's going to be another guy that we could talk to, uh, Scale RC and u for rc since he does both. So we haven't had a guest like that since uh, Sean Rosen, so um but yeah <clears throat> so we'll dive into this and i will still apologize i'm just getting over my cold so i might still sound a little weird but i digress all right first question is what is it, what was your first scale crawler
2: Ooh, that would be uh like the og green bodied honcho scx 10 oh wow nice yeah and nice it, i mean it. Literally was like, I I met, so when I first got in, it was like, you know, kind of probably like a lot of people, you know, two wheel drive slash, you know, bashing around, having a good time and got into the whole upgrading and, you know, just kind of sucked in, you know, just started having fun with it. Uh, used to be an old motocross race guy and couldn't race anymore, but wanted to have a hobby and just fell into RC totally by accident. Um, started meeting people, you know, and I met Sean, Eaton. he lived in Davis when I lived in Davis. And I went over to his house and he had this crawler course in his backyard, was rocks and log ladders. And I was watching him crawl his race, which I think he still uses to this day.
1: Um, oh, wow. And
2: I mean, it's dude, it's like one of the best rates built, dig unit, you know, that I've ever seen. And he crawls it like there's no tomorrow. But anyways, um, I saw the crawler and I was like, dude, I could get one of those. And immediately the next day, I went on, you know, Craigslist, and the guy was selling, you know, a dirt cheap bone stock SCX10. And I met up with him. They had like a Traxxas, you know, brush system in it. <laughs> it just, it just snowballed from there, and it's just been nonstop gangbusters since then. You know.
1: Nice. And That's awesome. It just
2: never and never look back, you know, it's just been progressing ever since then, you know, and I can honestly say in the, the five years that I've been doing this, I have not met, like, in any other hobby, even motocross, I have not met more cool people than I have in RC.
0: Yeah, and it's because, I personally think it's because everybody's got, like, a common interest and a common, you know, so that it's like... So they all want to just get out and enjoy it and have fun. It's not like a, you know, who's Dick's Bigger contest. I mean, it can be. There are those guys. But the majority of it is, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, you know, we're going to go hit this trail. You guys want to come? And then everybody just BS's and has fun.
2: Right. So. I, I don't know, just the whole the whole mentality of people, you know, it's it, you don't see the the generosity, you know, like, It's like going to a U4 race, you know, and somebody breaks. You're going to dig in your box to pull out spare parts, whether they're new in the bag still or used, and you're going to give them to that guy so you can make sure that he's in the next heat race because you want to beat him again or you want to battle with him or have more guys on the track. And that's that's one of the coolest things I think about this hobby is, you know, the willings of everybody to, to give and,
0: you know, help out, you know. Just, it's never ending. Yeah, it's the camaraderie. It's like you don't see it in anything else. No. So, no, I totally feel you on that one. It's always interesting to hear everybody's background getting into this because it all kind of seems like the same thing. It's like, I don't think I've – have we heard a story yet where somebody says – yeah, I've been doing RC since I was in diapers, so I just like you know I just can you know continue. It's like every single person's been like, oh, I fell into it because of this, or oh, I was a one-to-one guy, or I was looking for a hobby because I'm retired, or you know whatever, you know. So it's a- it's always interesting to hear these uh, how they got into it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, question number two: What is your favorite scale RC?
2: Ooh, the scale. Uh... I would say right now, at this moment, it would be my UC Fab JHF Prickle replica. Nice. And the reason being is that car is an absolute blast to drive. It's four wheel steer with a dig. It, it's like the, the probably the, the best point and shoot rig that I have right now. I mean, I can pretty much take that thing anywhere.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's that's one of those things <clears throat> I want to get. I want to make a rig that's just, you could take anywhere, point and shoot, it can hit almost any terrain, and you're going to be golden no matter where you go. That's definitely on my bucket list.
2: Yeah, it's, I would say right now that's probably, you know, scale crawler-wise, my, uh, you know, the funnest rig, and, you know, then from there, probably my ripper.
0: That's nice.
2: That's a really fun car to drive, and, that you know, for what's in that car, that thing goes anywhere. It's crazy, but that car works really, really well. I, I actually ran that car a lot at Crawford for the Cure, you know, because, you know, Jay did the wrap for me, and um, I had custom wheels for it. You know, it was definitely a head-turner while I was at the event. A lot of people were just like, wow, what's going Yeah,
0: happening? well, also, <clears throat> and I could be wrong, but aren't they, like, discontinuing the river?
2: Um, as far as I know, um, they are finishing up, like, the last few of the cars that were on order. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't, uh, and, you know, and uh, don't quote me on this, but I really don't, foresee them making any more of those in the future just because there's so much that goes into each
0: one yeah well not only that I mean look what they got going on now between the uh, the the origin and the kit version now you could <clears throat> you know there's just they got that stuff to focus on so it's kind of like when you're doing like the custom stuff with the Ripper which I know it's a generic or I guess you can call it a gen- like a generic platform it's still a custom built thing because it's it's built to order, so they don't just have them sitting on the shelf. They build them as you place your order. So I could see that taking a back burner or just a cease and no more. So,
2: Yeah, I think the only thing that they have talked about potentially doing is giving everybody that is a current Ripper owner the chance to get in on a one-time order of the new set of panels.
1: Oh, okay. that's a good idea actually. That's a really good idea.
2: So, I'm sure the majority of everybody that has currently has a ripper, if they were smart, would get in on that. It would be a bad idea to have, you know, an extra set of panels. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I love that I can take that car out and, you know, a lot of people are like cringing at the fact that the thing rolls over and it's like you know, ping, ping down the hill and making those weird noises, but it's just
0: <laughs> hip, that car. Yeah, <clears throat> it's funny, because that was like a car that brought a whole different like tune to like your crashes. Like You could always tell when someone crashed a Lexan. You can always tell when someone crashes a hard body, but when one of those roll over, it's a whole entirely different sound that you're not like... Everybody's not exactly used to it, so you're kind of like, whoa, what was that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you equal. And even just you know, crawling up over rocks, and you hook one of the side panels, you know, and it it makes this very distinctive like twang, you know, of the panel pulling and snapping back against the the rail. Yep. yep. But it's just it's just part of having one of those cars, you know. I don't know oh if yeah. Had it, you know, a couple of years ago, I was able to pull the trigger on that, you know. It's uh, it's definitely a very cool car to have. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So next question is, where's is your favorite place to go
2: crawling? Whew, that's a tough one, you know, because you know with all, all the events that we do have here in Northern California, there's a lot of awesome places to go. You know, if if you want to stay local, you know, of course it's Folsom Lake. Um, yep. You know, there's so much different terrain out there. Um, you know, with like five between 5% ramp, where it's like all just those rolling granite coves and it's just, there's no set line. You can just kind of go and you play follow the leader out there. And, you know, you go from one end of the lake up to the north end of the lake up like by Doughton Point and it's totally different. It's like different rock and there's dirt and single track trails and it's totally different and that's what's cool about Folsom Lake is if you get burnt out on the south end over in the granite you head north and it's totally different road. Um you know here in northern California and we got like Donner Summit which that place is just amazing because you can literally get out of your car at a spot close your eyes put your hand for, if you spin a couple of ways wherever you stop you can go that direction and disappear yep and and wow. you know, it's it's rad because it's just the rock up there is amazing. You know, everybody was so accustomed to going to Cisco Grove for Axial Fest over the years, and it's amazing there. Don't get me wrong, but this year was actually the first time I'd ever been anywhere at Donner Summit, and going to Axial Fest at, at the at the ski ranch this year, that place is awesome. I mean, I I. Wanted to be back up there after Axial Fest just to go crawl that area, you know. <laughs> and a lot of guys do. Yes, that the the DPC guys are up there yep. every weekend, you know. So I mean, the opportunity is there. But uh, unfortunately, the temperature is dropping around here, and that place is going to get covered with snow here probably within the next couple of weeks. Oh yeah. As soon as we start getting some weather, that that <clears> is <throat> going to be white, and we won't see it again until it melts. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome around here. You can pretty much crawl anywhere in Northern California, and there's just awesome terrain everywhere. Um, I had the uh, the opportunity to go down to SoCal a couple years ago for work. I was down there for almost a year and hooked up with a lot of the San Diego guys. Um Keith Hardwick, a couple other guys. uh, uh his name uh Darren Bezek and you know they they kind of you know hooked me up with some of the local spots down there um, there's a lot of fun places to crawl down in San Diego you know I I'd always look forward to you know taking a trip back down there because that's where I'm originally from um, there's just places all over the place down there and then Corona del mar is probably one of my favorite places you know on the way back up the coast that place is, is radical it's a little tiny place but the crawling there is rad and it's super I've popular. always
1: wanted to go there.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, it's super popular. A lot of people go there. You could pretty much go there. Cause wow it's, it's a real place right on the water, you know, like you get some really cool photo opportunities, but the terrain there is really cool. It's just like this little natural the edge of the of the bay look across the, the channel there and it's Newport Beach right on the other side. As a matter of fact, I think it's the wedge. It's right there on the other side.
0: Yeah. Those uh, those coastal places are like always like a really cool, like when you find a good one, they're like always a cool little spot <clears throat> and it's just, it's always interesting because it's, it's like usually just a small area. Like you don't usually find like a big long stretch. It's like, okay, you're in this one little area and that's it. Right. So, but, no, yeah, um, I've always said it, you know, and I know we're a little biased because we're West Coast, you know, people, but I truly enjoy anywhere in California to go scaling. I mean, you re- there's so many places you really can't go wrong.
2: Well, I mean, we the the weather, in that too, even in the winter, you know, when it does get, you know, quote unquote nasty, it's still not that bad. No. You know? I mean, we could literally probably crawl, you know, <laughs> you know, within, a, you know, a week or two almost every day of the year.
0: Yeah. The year. No, totally. Um, <clears throat> next question is, your: what is your favorite event to go to
2: and why? Well, obviously locally, it's the Axial Festival, um you know, just because of how many people and the terrain and just meeting new faces, especially with, you know, the, how big the social media part of it is. You know, you, you talk to so many people throughout the year, you make new friends on the internet, and, you know, a good majority of those people end up at that event every year, you know, and I think this year was probably one of the, you know, the biggest years out of like the last five years that I'd been to axio Fest where I'd met. The most people, like, either on trail or just walking through and people are like, hey, Gene, you know, and I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on? Oh, okay, you know, and you finally get to put a name with, you know, a face with the name that you've, you know, people have hit you up and asked you for, you know, a recommendation or ask you, you know, how you set that car up, you know, or, you know, just what you're, what you're up to, what are you building, you know, and then they want to see what you got, you know, and. It's just cool because it's such a live. So you know, that's probably I'd say right now that's probably my one of the funnest ones. I did get to go to the original Proline Fire before it, you know, got real popular and big and I missed it this year, but I will be going next year. Kinda of looking forward to that one. I think that's like the SoCal mini version of Axial Fest where they have that at.
1: Yeah, so, it looks like a cool spot too.
2: Horseman, Horseman Center is a really cool spot. I have been there for one event, um, and it's it's a really cool spot. It's right there in Apple Valley, it's basically like the gateway to on your going. You go right past it on your way out to the lake bed where they have King of Hammers. Wow. And then it's funny because right where right where Horseman is, directly right on the other side of that valley is Apple Valley, where they have the four races that They were actually just there last weekend. So when you're up at Gerald Tobin's house at his property where they have the Apple Valley track, when you're standing on his driver's stand, if you look straight across the valley, you can see horses from his
1: Oh, wow. And then from there,
2: if you look directly east, between the – down the valley, you can see the lake bed from his driver's stand.
1: It's a really cool place out there too. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yep, <clears throat> those are a couple other uh, events uh, that I that I'd like to attend. Put it on the bucket list. I know I definitely need to get down to Proline by the Fire. Uh, King of the Hammers is something I've always wanted to check out. So.
2: Oh yeah. yeah that's that's coming, coming up. Like, days away.
0: Yep. yep. Wow.
2: What's going on. Now, did you guys? Um, watch any of the live feed of the uh, ultra four national oh
1: yeah. hell yeah dude that was awesome that was such good racing
2: yeah i pretty much watched the whole day i mean i was busy around <laughs> the house but I, I had my phone on the live feed the whole day i mean they went they went live at like 7 30 in the morning and i had my phone glued basically glued to my hand from 7 30 until the last 4400 race
0: yeah, that was one of those ones. I just kind of like stayed on top of like everything everyone was posting. Um, it was actually kind of interesting. Um, there was a couple people that I didn't even know that were like, I guess you could say into that, you know. And they actually entered. Like there was a guy, and it's kind of like a small world. And I'll just make a quick little rant. There's like a semi-local off-road group called Chevy Militia. They started out in Santa Cruz. Now, like the main guy lives up in. Roseville, um, or Rockland, so it's kind of moved up there, and he kind of works with WFO Concepts now. Well, one of the other guys in that in that club built a U four racer, like, and I guess kept it on the down low. WFO is one of the sponsors. They went out and did their race, first time ever racing. I think they placed like seventh or something like that. Wow. Yeah, it Set was. Nuts. What
2: class was that car in?
0: I got. A, I'd have to look. I'd have to look that up. That's the only thing I don't. That I forget? Um, but yeah, and it's funny because like, I'm like, man, this guy must be going all out because he just got done rebuilding his Tahoe. He's got a white uh, mid-90s four-door Tahoe with some wicked supercharger motor in it and one-ton axles and 40-inch uh, swampers. I mean the thing is just a beast. Jesus. So, yeah, they were just they were. I just, want to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that's his Wheeler. That's not his. That's not the U four rig. The U four rig looks like your your
1: typical U four, you know, rig, all tube and panels. Oh, okay. So he didn't do like the stock class or anything. no, no. He actually. Oh. That's why
0: I was saying. I was like, man, what is this guy doing? Because he just got done building his Wheeler, and then he had this whole U four rig on the on the under wraps.
1: So. 100 grand plus u4 rig that nobody yep. knows about <laughs> exactly but yeah no that's so I'll, badass
0: i'll have to check that out but no it's kind of cool because i you know there's a lot of stories like that these people just get into it and then like the first one out and they're like you know doing decent you know for a, they get hooked and that's all they want to do and it's kind of cool because um i don't know gene did you go out to uh fire and ice when it was at that motor park wild west motor park
2: Been to Fire Night that it
0: was at Moon Rock. Okay. So the one year when we didn't when they didn't have it there, they had to find a place and they went to Wild West Motorsports and uh, you know it's 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 pretty impressive when you see that area and you're like, dude, this person just to do this and you're like, Wow. It's like designed basically for U four. And I think they have a couple areas where you could do like the Wee Rock style Competition. Yeah. So,
2: if, if you're at and you're you're in the grandstands and you're looking at the U4 track, Ultra Four Track, if you look basically directly west, like over the parking lot and the pit area, you'll see another road that goes up the hill. Well, at the top of that hill is the rock piles that they have the re-rock events and the super crawl events at.
0: Oh, okay. So
2: we've actually had a, a scale Ultra Five K up there, up in the top. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, there was uh There was actually it was the day after uh, a Wee Rock event, and uh, Chris Jones brought you know all the 801 guys came out, um, you know, and then any of the local local guys from Reno, you know, uh, me, Tony Mazza was there. Um, it was yeah, it was you know about the same time October ish, um, but it was a great event. You know, crazy event. You know, but, uh, the first uh the first you know uphill was just like straight up this gnarly up, uphill road and up to a rock pile up at the top and then it just wound out i think we had three laps um on that for that track um but it was fun you know and that, that's that's a radical area up there too there's a ton of stuff up there to do but it's a killer place to have that type of event we've always told chris dude you gotta come back to and do another reno event you know it was a fun event
0: Oh yeah, but that's what I was getting at. Was it's not that far away from the Sacramento area. It's a few hour drive, and you're there. So it's like it's it's not that far away. No, it's not. I mean, you
2: you can you know even from from my house, I think to get to Wild West uh, is like you know just shy of two and a half hours to get there. Yeah. yeah it's not far at all. So, oh, let's see where are we at. Uh, duh, 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 duh. I just built a new capra axle while we were talking. Oh, okay. So nice. I, just, I built the front. I'm gonna start on the rear
0: right now. <laughs> now, is this your first time actually using? Not. I know this is a total sidebar, so we have a few more questions to get to. But is, are you? Is this the first time actually building a capra axle? Because I know your first capra, you put the VP cur, uh, Curry um, uh, portals underneath it. Yeah, I put the
2: VP portals underneath mine. Uh, front so it has four wheel steer but yeah that was that was literally the first stock axle that i put together Um, as a matter of fact this car that i'm building right now is for uh casey sheer nice he asked me if i would do him a favor and put his uh Mm -hmm. his camper together so i've been rounding up you know electrical and um electronics and whatnot stuff like that uh matter of fact uh is doing a wrap for me Yep, I
1: got yours done. I just need to finish that one now.
2: Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I guess if he ever listens to this podcast, it won't be a surprise, but I think once he sees it, he's going to lose his mind. (laughs) But uh, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Casey Shear races side-by-side, and he had a really bad crash uh, Saturday. Um, He jumped the... uh, set of rocks right there in front of the grandstands and he full sent it and did about uh four end over end cartwheels and broke his back
1: oh damn the, oh, the, dude uh, you know, he did that in a side by side he tried jumping that if, thing if
2: you if you see the crash you will be like oh my god
1: whoa it was, dude it was a crazy crash um the, the full-size rigs were having trouble getting through that
2: yeah he he sent it it was. A full send, um, and it was, it was gnarly, it was a gnarly crash, probably one of the gnarlier crashes I've seen on a side-by-side, but yeah, he was, uh, he was in surgery that same day, um, crushed a vertebrae, um, they got, like, three or four vertebrae, uh, caged, you know, fused, right? Oh my god. He just got out of the hospital today, and that was, that crash was, uh, I believe it was Friday, qualifying. Damn. So, yeah, it was it, was gnarly. it was
1: a gnarly crash. That's so crazy when guys will do something like that. And, like, there was one where the dude had just a gnarly close call and landed on his wheels and was just like, okay, like, just barely drove out of it. And, I mean, the force that your body's being subjected to in that, I mean, it's just, even if the car was okay, I mean, how does your body feel to continue driving after oh. something like that? I mean, it's terrible. That's,
2: you know, I mean, those guys, those were, that was, the, like, the main. I mean, this is after practice and qualifying on Friday. And then they go back out, you know, for, you know, a, a seating qualifying run in the morning for the main event. So you got to think about the, the first seven guys, they go right through to the main. So they don't have to race again for the rest of the day. But you got guys that have to go through, like, a B main and an LCQ. And then, you know, those guys are driving around in those cars all day long, just taking – that's got to take a toll because oh, the course that's not, not a smooth course. I mean, there's a lot of rocks, a lot of jumps, uphill, downhills. I mean, that's a gnarly course. You know, it's a course for the spectators to watch because you can sit in the grandstand and see the whole track. But, uh, yeah, um, just uh, a local guy here in Northern California, two guys actually in the 4400 class. Cody Addington won the uh, the the main, and uh, Mike Boo got second, both from NorCal here. But uh, that was actually really cool to see, you know, the, to be able just to just well, It was bum that I couldn't go, but you, know, you see everything on the live. Feed. Yeah. Really good.
0: Yeah, that's why I said it's one of those things. Even just like going up, going up there to catch a race would be fun, just to like do something different.
2: But, yeah, there, there's still one more um, race out at Prairie City. You know, they they do the Ultra Four stuff out there too.
0: Yep, yep, that's another place. The seven um,
2: I believe is, is a, a, winner, a winner, a winner race. They just posted it up today, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I
0: haven't been. I haven't been to Prairie City since oh, I want to say like 2014, 2015. We went to that was the last year I think we've been to Hangtown. Was I think like twenty fifteen.
2: Oh, you went out there for the motocross national?
0: Yeah, we used to go every year. Me and Michelle would go out. We went, we've been going, we went, like, I think our first year we went was, like, 2010, 2000, yeah, 2010, 2011, and then we went, and then I remember one year it was just so brutally hot. We were just like, yeah, and then I think that might have been the last time we went was because of the heat. We were just like, this is insane.
2: That's crazy. I've been to that race, you know, numerous times since I've lived up here, too, and I know what you mean, like, been out there before where it's just rained all day and it was just a total mud <clears throat> test. Yep. And then been out there before where it's been 105 and guys yep. are guys are literally boiling their gas in their bikes during the Ye- event because it's so hot.
1: Yep. Yes. Yeah, I remember being down there. They had um, these. It was the one. My old roommate was a mechanic for the Joe Gibbs team, and uh, we were down there visiting, and he. The tanks on the bikes were aluminum and they were taking them and they had these like dry ice vests and these other vests that were pumping like freon through them just to keep all the fuel cool, you know, before the motos and stuff. It was pretty crazy. Yep, that's uh, Northern California.
2: For... Yep,
0: because I know one year we went, we were like expecting like how it was the other year and we're like, oh, it's going to be hot. And we were there and it was like almost like gene weather and you're like, Man, and this is like – because I think it's in May um, is the race. It's May or June. I forget. But still, that's well, like the beginning of summer. Usually it's it starts getting usually
2: the hot. first race of the season. <clears throat> Before yeah. the race used to be Glen Helen. Now they're having uh, the Sacramento race be the first
1: race. Oh, okay. I got heat stroke at Glen Helen. That's probably my fondest memory of that place.
2: <laughs> well, that's like the high desert.
1: You know, Dude, that place is gnarly. It's hot out there.
2: Yeah.
1: So let's see, where are we
0: at?
2: Uh, a little off. We'll, we'll, cur-
0: we'll <laughs> current, current
2: number of rigs. Oh, man. Let me step back. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12.
0: Nice little, nice little fleet. I mean, have we ever heard anybody that's given us a lesser number than 10?
1: Maybe me. No, oh, yeah. Well, no, I don't think me.
2: And, I mean, the crazy thing is, depending on what I got going, you know, most of those rigs all get driven, whether it's, you know, U4 racing, um, you know, the scale crawling stuff, <clears throat> or U4.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Oh, don't forget about my 5K rigs. You know, I got purpose-built rigs just for the 5 K. You know, that's all they get. You know, they get driven a couple times a year, but they're that's what they're for.
0: Nice. Yep. <clears throat> no, I hear that. Um, you know, that's like a lot of scale guys will set up. They got trail rigs. They got more crawling rigs. And then they got rigs that are like, yeah, we won't even – this thing won't even go over a rock. We just take it on, you know, like scale fire trails. <clears throat> but
2: that's one thing I don't have is a rig that that isn't purpose built. You know, I don't have any pretty rigs. I mean, I've got really nice rigs, but they're all driven and they all got wear on them.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: But I mean, I'm gonna say it right now. A lot of your UC Fab rigs are they're they're pretty, so they're they're nice to look at and they perform. So I think that's a win-win. Right. <laughs> So uh, where are we at? Uh, so da, da, da. so <clears throat> here will be an interesting answer since you're like a two kind of person. Comp days or trail days, which do you prefer?
2: I would rather go on like a really long trail run, trail ride, you know, just get out, backpack, water, maybe even some snacks, and then just go. Nice. Um. The comp thing is is fun. I just I don't know. I just you know you, it's fun to like do gates, but I would honestly rather just get out and and just take off, you know, and not not have to worry about where you're going. So um, it's just comping it's fun to do, but I would rather just trail. And that's like like I said, that's why I, I like going up into the hills, you know, going up to, like, Donner, you know, that, that the, the courses that were there this year, even though they were didn't have that many gates, it was only 50 gates per course, but they stretched out forever, you know, and it was all new terrain, so um, I went up there almost every day this year with Mike Kassar, and, uh, I mean, we were just pounding out courses, just, we, we did almost every course, um, you know, and they had 26 courses this year. Um, I actually think Mike might have did, like, one or two more than me um, because when I was rock racing, he didn't rock race. He just took off and went and did more courses. But um, out of the 26, I think I did 22 of the courses this year. And awesome. It, it was just cool because you are just covering so much ground at at that event. And like I said, it's just backpack and, and just go.
0: Yeah, and like I know I've said it before on the show, I, my trip was cut short, so it's like I only got to see like a quarter of what was going on. So it's like, you know, next year for sure I'm hoping to, you know, be there the whole time, check it all out, take it all in, so.
2: Yeah, I think, well, and that was the thing was we didn't stay and do any night runs. Like we were we were going hard all day during the day, every day, and we we were just driving home every night because it was just an hour and a half away, um, I definitely think next year I would rather... Um, I think we're going to look into just renting one of those cabins up there close by and uh, and just staying, you know, so we can get out and do the night runs. And obviously the goal next year will be to do every course. And, yeah. you know, some of the other events that they had that we didn't get to do because, you know, we were trying to squeeze in as much as we could.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely nice, and it's nice to see, like, you know... Uh, uh, you know a change. I mean, like I, I not all changes are bad, and I get it. And you know what? Like I like I know we said it when we originally had the act, quote unquote axial fest episode, is. It's so funny going to that event and then everybody like everybody's answer was, It's not Cisco, I'm not going, Oh, have fun, this is gonna be a joke and da 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 and then after everybody saw all the pictures and the positive feedback, it totally changed everybody's mind. Everybody was getting all bent out of shape that they didn't make the trip. They I mean, how many times do we see after that? Everyone's like, Oh, well, I should've just went
2: Oh, trust me, I I made my one of my actual fest posts after the event was you know, how awesome of an event it was, and the terrain, and meeting all the people, and, you know, how, even though with all the change in Axial, with going to horizon and everything, those guys did an excellent job, courses were awesome, you know, especially having that many, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I said, I said, anybody that got stubborn and said, oh, it's, it's not at Cisco, I'm not going, I'm not going, I told them flat out, you messed up. You missed it. Yep. Yeah. Better win. <laughs> it was win. <last>
0: yep. <laughs> Which is now, I think, is going to be interesting for the next year because now that so many people have missed out, you know, what is that going to do to that little, you know, parking lot camping that they have?
2: Well, um, it's, so you know, hopefully, you know, Axial and Horizon, they maybe, you know, maybe with, you know, pre-reg and all that stuff, you know, since a lot of since the event was so good this year that maybe pre-reg will be a little bit bigger and they'll make adjustments accordingly, you know, to accommodate more people. Yeah. That was a learning curve, guys, because, you know, it wasn't the original group of guys that we were accustomed to over the last five years, you know, like, we lost, you know, the Rodneys, you know, and, and John Schultz and Scott Curtis and all those guys that we're used to seeing weren't there you know we still had randall and randall was like it was, you know it's funny like i bumped into randall so many times this year at actual fest it was almost like i was following you so, know every time i turned the corner there's randall you know going to eat lunch oh had lunch with randall like twice while i was there every time i turned around there's randall there's randall there's randall it was, really weird. It was really cool it was cool but it was just weird was like dude i'm not following you I promise.
0: yeah oh did, did i ever tell you how um it was actually pretty funny. Somehow, Elio ended up with Randall's phone. So we're like, all of a sudden, Elio's like, "Dude, there's another phone in my pocket." And he's like, "Whose phone is this?" And then like, I think he hit the button to see like the screen, and uh, it was a picture of him and his wife. So there, so he was like, "Oh, I got Randall's phone somehow." And I already told him, I said, I know how it happened. You weren't paying attention, and you saw the same similar black phone laying on the table when you showed him your rig, and you probably just stuck it in your pocket. That's funny. But yeah, we had to go make a special trip back. And it was funny, too, because even Randall goes, dude, what happened to my phone? It disappeared. So, no, that was pretty funny. Um, Where we at? Uh, We're almost done with this part. Uh... If you were to walk into a scale sh- or into a hobby shop what would be the next uh, scale purchase you would buy
2: now would it be out of necessity
0: necessity or- splurge you know something you got to have whatever you know like if you're just gonna walk in what would it be
2: right now at this moment out of necessity it would be uh, another set of uh, 1 nine proline crawlers. I mean, another set of ProLine 1-9 crawlers.
0: Nice. Uh,
2: Next on the list.
0: (laughs) And then, last but not least, uh, favorite hobby shop?
2: I'd say R&H. Right here in uh, Greenback. Right off of Greenback. Used to be... uh, well, I won't even say it, but it, let's just say it's, it's R&H Hobbies on Greenback and Orangevale.
0: Oh, okay, nice. I'll, I have not I have not been to them, so I'll have to uh, check them out one of the times when I'm up in Auburn. At,
2: uh, uh, at uh, Charles Tannehill's place. Little oh, okay. football place, but you know what? He's got it well packed, um, good selection, and if he doesn't have it, he'll order it right there on the spot in front of you, and he's calling you as soon as the box hits, him, hits his counter.
0: Nice. So, yep, <clears throat> um, that pretty much wraps up our little icebreaker questionnaire that we usually have for our guests. Um, I guess now it's time for the meat and potatoes. Jay, did you have anything uh, extra special you wanted to ask or anything? No, uh-uh. I'm good. no. We're just gonna shoot. We're just gonna, you know, uh, shoot from the hip now. Sounds good. All right. So my my question that I wanted. Um, I guess kind of answered because I know we talked about this numerous times and I know we sound like we're beating dead horses over here you know because we seem to only talk about the Axial Capra but um, <clears throat> this this week's guest is somebody who did something that was kind of in my opinion innovative uh, first you know we didn't really see it um, done right out of the back uh, you know right out of the gate right out of the box um, was put uh, vanquish portals which were designed for the scx 10 underneath the axial capra so I guess my question is what made you decide to go that route is question number one question number two is did it at all change the geometry of how that suspension worked um, and you know give us your take on it
2: you know, I I was just something that I decided that I was gonna do even before I had the rig. You know, we we were fortunate enough to get a sneak peek of that of the Capra at Axial Fest this year, and um, you know when he, you know unfortunately it was you under glass we didn't get to touch it, but um, you know obviously we saw that it had portals and I'm like. You know, and then after asking questions and this and that, I'm like, well, obviously I'm going to, you know, I mean, I was talking to Mike about this before, you know, Axial Fest was even over. I'm like, oh, I'm getting one of those, and I'm just going to throw, you know, vanquish portals underneath it right away, but I want to go four-wheel steer right off the bat. That was just what a decision I made. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and then if the opportunity came to have a second rig, then I would put those, you know, I would do a stock one, so yeah you know after the 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 release and everybody starts seeing pictures of it um, and now you know obviously uh, with the the influence that Kyle is putting into that car, he's already released a couple of um, you know progress picks of what he's coming up with doing the cap drop in my goal with the cap drop in rig is to take the uh both of the front axles and put them underneath the caper, the UC Fab Caper drop-in rig. Oh, and go four-wheel we'll steer know. with that
1: one. <laughs> nice, that'll be rad. So it'll just
2: be a little bit of both, but I'll you know that'll have you know neither one of the rigs is going to be stock, but it's still going to have that same you know drivetrain, trans, links, you know, just with its own twist. And that's just kind of how I've been, especially with. Um, you know, being like a UC Fab guy for as long as I have been, you know, and having his cars—they're just a whole another ball game of car, you know. And being able to get the Vanquish parts and run those parts—you know—that's another bonus. I mean, their their stuff speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. No, we definitely covered that base uh, in the last couple episodes. Um, so I guess you answered the the why. I guess the other question, because me and Jay kind of talked about this I think on the last episode, was um, now that the fact that the Vanquish axles were designed for the SCX-10 II, did it change or alter the, the way the suspension worked, being that uh, it is a, that would be a narrower axle over the stock Capra?
2: So in my opinion, because the stock. Capra axles are technically XR width. They are really wide for that car. You know, it's it's pros and cons. You know, you you've got the good and the bad. Um, I can use the last time Mike Kassar and I went out to Folsom. I didn't have my Capra built yet, but he's had his built. You know, for a couple of weeks now, and he's been running it like crazy. I think he's he's probably upwards of like you know anywhere between 12 and 15 miles on the thing since he's had it. Um, so he was running his Capra, and I was running my uh, UC Fab JHF rig, which, you know, is four-wheel steer um, with Vanquish portals. Um, the things that I noticed, because the wheelbase is different between the two cars, and mm-hmm. the, the obviously the width and the axles, um, the Vanquish portals are not XR width, they're Gen 2 width. There was certain lines that, I could just walk right up with my wheelbase and my width and then there was one that he would have trouble with and then we'd you know football. There was so it's the best of both worlds, you know. I mean the sometimes the 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 wheelbase and the axle length will help you and sometimes it's not. It just you know, it all depends on the obstacle or, or the line that you're trying to get up. So there's no good or bad. It's just, you know, you driving the car, you know, to its capability, and yeah, and it's like that with any car. I mean, you could take a a, a 10-2 out, and there's lines that you're not going to be able to pull, and somebody could be behind you with a vs410, and the car could walk right up the line. It's a different car, you know. It's different lines, different situations, and you know, we we were going back and forth like that a lot last time we were out at Folsom. And I learned a lot. And I can see things, you know, in the Capra that, you know, could maybe be improved. Uh, wheel weights up front. But that's also, a, you know, it's a lighter car, too. So definitely wheel weights will help that car. Um,
0: yeah. You know? I mean, like, I guess our ma- our main thing was we were just kind of curious about the mounts. Because, you know, like, when, a, when an axle's skinnier, you know, that puts your link mounts at a different location. And the link mounts are basically designed off of however they're going to set up their geometry so yeah we we're just curious if they had any binding issues but if I mean if you were able to still if it's still pulling lines then I don't think there's any kind of hindering to the overall geometry
2: I did not think so at all no and I mean okay. just a just little bit that I have driven my cap <laughs> out in front of my house on the little rock pile that I have like I can't wait to get that thing out on trail and, and really put it through its test but just a little bit of I've done it in front of my house I'm just like oh yeah it's going to be a fun thing to drive
0: yeah yeah I know I'm still I'm, I am know I've said this in like every episode I'm still slow I'm still in the middle of mine but this, these last couple work weeks I've been spending a lot of money on materials so it's like I'm kind of like alright I'm not going to pull the trigger on a couple more items until you know I get reimbursed for some of this stuff got to get some of that money back so (laughs) time to start out some bills exactly um but yeah no i definitely want to i want to get mine done because i know we've been talking a lot um because it's funny that you said it because that's kind of the same thing i said when i first saw the capra for the first time was i was telling myself i was like man that thing would be so badass if i have four-wheel steer and then i think like three days later uh Rich released his with the four wheel steer, and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me!" Somebody else was already thinking it, so which doesn't surprise me because you know if a lot of people, you know, their minds are always running, so they're always thinking. <clears throat> excuse me, thinking this stuff. So I was like, "That'd be cool," and I know I've been bouncing ideas back and forth with you um, for the past like what two, three weeks on how to set up the the four wheel steer. And since we're both MKS guys, you've actually. Have come up with another way to go with another micro servo that doesn't necessarily fit the same footprint as the one that they recommend, but it still works.
2: Yeah, um, I was. So, what stopped me with the HV61, which is literally the, the same, almost exactly the same size servo as the one they recommend, the Spectrum. The only problem with the HV61 is it's a 5mm spline shaft. So, if you get the, the, that, that spline kit that has all of the parts, I think it's the, it's a 2 speed high load servo saver kit. It's the AX31009. That won't work with that spline because it's made for a 6mm spline, for a 23, 24, 25 so Once mm-hmm. you figure that out, um, I contacted Thomas at MKS, and I said, hey, what's your largest, oh, I'm sorry, your smallest micro servo that has a six millimeter uh, spline for the for the spline count for the shaft, for the servo one? And he told me it was the um, HV69, the which is, you know, a really good servo, but it's just a hair bigger. But just upon looking at the... the the layout of the servo and how it sits in the car—it was minor on, um, you know, doing the mods that I, you know, that I figured out on my own to make that servo work. Um, there's, you know, anybody that, that's put together a Capra, There's the little servo mount, and they've got like a locating pin hole and then the screw hole. So, you know, because the HV69 is a little bit bigger, um, you use the right side servo mount, you just bump it out to that locating hole and make that hole a little bit bigger and put the screw there and then on the right on the left hand side get rid of that servo mount that that mount altogether and just make a spacer to fit underneath the servo gear and then just put a long screw through it and it mounted perfect. And you know, once I got the car all programmed uh, ran it right through, got my endpoints all perfect, right where it needed to be for each position, you know, for full lock, open, and rear lock, uh, and it works perfect, you know, and that, that HV69 is a badass little servo, um, and it's killer because it's got a 6mm output shaft, so you can run the the parts out of that AX31009 with the servo saver on it.
0: Nice, yeah, that's uh, one of the other setbacks I got to do. I got to get rid of the my HV sixty one hundred and replace it with um, the HV uh, sixty
2: nine. Yeah, I'll probably just end up uh, sending this HV sixty one hundred to uh, Sean Russin because I know that he can use it in his TRX four.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I
2: won't ha- I won't have a use for it because even if I go to you know once I do the other. Uh, capra, I'll, I'll do the HE69 again. It was a super easy mod to do. Didn't cost anything, and you know, it's I, in my eyes, it's, it's just a better servo.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> and it makes it easier because, like, I guess anybody else you know that has put a capra together yet um, has seen that little. Um, I mean, it almost looks like a like a shackle pull pin kind of look. It's like an oblong whole kind of like mount that goes on the selector rod for the uh, dig unit and they basically designed it all to work around that servo saver or the parts in that servo saver so I guess if you're trying to make it work with another servo that didn't you know that wouldn't work it's doable it's just not um, it's not as straightforward so you can kind of see why using their stuff makes sense but um, yeah, it's also see, a
2: good I see where you're I know where you're where what you're getting at with that uh, <laughs> it's it's like a little oblong hole just like a loop and yep it has that little insert and the screw comes in it and it's kind of all it, it just kind of floats in there so there is a little bit of play in that you know because it's it's plastic um, ideally I think maybe once I have time I'd like to change that link mount to, like, a small rod end with, uh, you know, an actual, uh, you know, like a stainless steel pillow ball, something that's going to be more solid, you know.
1: Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. Instead of
2: Just the plastic kind of floating around in that oval. It'll be more set in one position. It won't be floating around or slopping back and forth. It'll, it'll take a little bit of a slop out of, you know, when you hit the dig on those servos, and it's going to be, like, in, you know, middle and out it'll just i think it'll just be a little bit more solid it's just going to be finding the right rod end with you know a pillow ball in there and and then mounting everything together but it's you know like anything else you know this is what we do try to make things better or a little bit more solid
1: you think and like just take the uh use a die on the shaft that's that's already there
2: yeah Exactly. Or
1: wait, no, you wouldn't need to cuz it's already threaded because that plastic end goes on. Yeah, you're just going to Oh, that's a right. Okay.
2: rod end on there and you know just something to make that a little bit more solid than just that plastic insert
1: just kind of Exactly. Cuz that was Yeah, cuz I've had that thing tilt a little bit and then, you know, it allows that peg to come out if it, you know, depending on how high up your servo horn is. Right. And you
2: know what? it's Plastic—it's not gonna last forever, you
1: know. Plastic
2: wears out a little bit faster than, uh, than you know, metal. So that's something that I've just kind of looked at and like, I gotta figure out something in there to make that a little bit more solid.
1: Yeah, that's a super good idea.
0: But see, that's also another reason why you know I wanted to talk to Gene, you know, this week because he's somebody just like the many of us out there that you know, you're coming you're coming up with solutions to, like, real-world problems that people are actually having, like, when they want to, you know, do something else or, like, when they have a question of, like, hey, how can I attack this but make it work, you know? Like, I don't want to just throw in the towel because I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that are, like, if it's not plug-and-play, doesn't just fit the way it's supposed to, they're, like, nope, not going to do it, not going to mess with it, and they just go with what's recommended. So I always think it's awesome when, you know – you're in this hobby you can you know create and tinker and almost like invent new ways to make something that's already existing work
2: right that's and that's part of the cool thing about you know sitting out here you know in the garage at the bench and you know staring at something and you make changes you know and if things work out you know and it's really cool to be able to spread you know like hey check this idea out this ended up working out for me really well you know, and, you know, filling in other people on you know an idea, making something better.
1: Right. And it's,
2: it's that's it's that whole RC thing, like you know, it's sharing the wealth, basically. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Way to put it.
0: Yeah. So what we'll probably have to do is we'll probably have to get some of your more detailed pictures of you throwing that servo in we'll have to throw it up on our page just so that way anybody listening wants to check it out. You know, if they have a Capra and they want to throw something else in there or they bought a Capra and they want to throw something else in there other than that little high-tech servo, uh, there's another option.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially now that, you know, I've got it in there, you know, it probably wouldn't be too difficult to pull everything back out, you know, measure the little spacer that I made and kind of just lay everything out so people understand what I had to do to get that thing in there and it really wasn't that big a deal like I the servo showed up from MKS you know Thomas got him out to me like super quick I was super stoked on that you know and I literally I actually think I was talking to somebody on the phone and I was just messing with it and I had it in and I was like dude that was easy like super easy and super functional so it's, it's good stuff
0: yeah, yep. I'm going I know. I'm gonna have to do that. That's that's one of my next orders. I gotta redo that. Uh, still get my tires on the way. After my uh, whole uh, ungluing debacle, I just still think it's whatever was used on that one tire didn't allow me to unglue it. Well,
2: did somebody used a a glue they weren't supposed to.
0: I have no idea. It was a. It, I got a, I got these old tires. Um, I think Elio got a box of them, and then he's like, dude, take whatever you want. And I've always had a thing for the trepidors, so he had, like, six of them in there. And, of course, not one of them was a complete set of four. There was, like, three were matching, two were matching, one was, like, you know, not, you know, it was, like, seeing better days. And so I just took whatever he had that were the trepidors... Well, the only four that I had left were the three matching and the one that was different. Well, that one that was different, I couldn't get it to unglue for the life of me. <laughs> I ended up, I, I ended up melting the t- the tire before the glue would undo itself. Oh wow! So I don't know what they used. So what?
2: What size was that trepidor? One point
0: nine. Oh. Come on. Okay. So yeah, I have some two point two trepidors, but uh. I think I'm going to stick with uh, the recommended uh, 1.9 on this uh, rig. Okay. So, I, and also this gives me an opportunity. I think I'm just going to buy them new because then I think the I can get the whatever axials. What is that? The R8 compound or? Yeah. So, that way it's they're a little stickier than the stock stuff. So, I don't know. It'd be different. And if I don't like them, then I can always go with the something else. But. Um, yeah.
2: What tires are you putting on that UC Fabric that you're working on right now?
0: Uh, I got those Mad Was it Mad Beasts. Is that what it is? I think so. Is that
2: a that... Fabric of 1.9 or a
0: 2.2? I thought that was a 2.2. It's a 2.2. The, it's the 2.2s that you sent me.
2: Oh, the Growlers.
0: The Growlers. That's what it was. The Growlers.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, they don't do a 2.2 in the Mad
0: yeah, that's why I was like, well, I, I always have a hard time remembering what's what other than the Rock Beast, which is funny because I just don't know why they never, like, used the real names for the one-to-one tires when they carried them over into the scale tires.
2: Um, well, yeah, I well, I mean, it, it, they're Rock Beast in the one one stuff, just like in the Growlers, too.
0: I thought the one-to-one it was a rocker.
2: I think what people call them the rocker, I believe, just...
0: Short, but I mean, if you look on the side of that tire; it goes rock beats on it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, no, that's another rig. Uh, the I guess I don't think Kyle ever designed that rig to have a uh, dig unit in there. Um, so the issue I'm having is the la- when I put the transmission in with the dig servo on there. It contacts one of the back, I guess you can call it, like seat belt bars. Um, so it just hits it. So I'm. So instead of putting four individual spacers, uh, Brandon Canton was supposed to – I think he's got it done. He just hasn't sent it out to me. He was making me – I measured how much I needed, and he was making me one solid riser for the transmission to raise it all up so that way it clears everything. How much did you need to raise it up? Uh I said, I told him if he made it about five millimeters i'd be good
2: right
0: just because i want i 'd rather it be a little bit higher than needed than have' him make me this thing and go, do I still need to stack washers underneath here? Oh so I just was i just because i 've done it before. I did it in another uh way back when everybody did uh uh Rancho conversions when you'd like put wraith axles underneath your honcho uh sometimes you had to raise the transmission to get those drive shafts to clear the uh, the skid plates and stuff. Right. And, yeah, and I remember you having to, like, stack washers in it. And, you know, it's just a little more difficult when you're trying to do that on four different uh, screws versus that's why I said, hey, if you just make one spacer that slides down, then I can just, you know, then then there's no trying to hold this one here, hold that one here. It's just put one thing down, bolt through it, and you're done. Yeah,
2: I think I, re- I remember exactly doing that, trying to line up. Four
0: spacers underneath the trans before, and just like, ah. Yeah, exactly. So it's well, like, all right, this this makes life a little easier. And it was—I was just thinking outside of the box, you know. And I don't have a three D printer, so I was like, if I did, I'd probably just be like, all right, I'll just print it out myself. Yeah, right. So, but right. yeah, that's another rig. Um, I guess what's holding me also back on that is, which is no big deal. I think I'm just gonna end up going with the castle. Um, Mamba X, uh, but uh, it was kind of interesting when uh, I talked to John, and he is discontinuing his uh, brushless uh, ESCs for the time being until he gets a new replacement that he wants to put out there. So originally I was all planned on, oh, okay, I'm going to go with a Puller Pro and a, um, what is it, HBL, or not HBL. uh, BLE. BLE. And uh, he was like, and he's like, yep, can't get them anymore. I'm oh. like, oh, well.
2: Yeah, so. it's uh, slim pickings right now out there. There's, like, no castle combos anywhere.
0: Nope.
2: Um, I primarily pretty much went to, to Tekken in all my rigs Anyways, uh, I really like the RX-4. Um, I think I got, like, one or two cars left that might have Mamba X's in them, but everything else is RX-4 now. Um, just like how i mean i and it's funny i, I squeezed that rx4 um in that cabra you know i i knew it knew it could be done but um there's not a whole lot of room underneath that car for that big of an esc originally i had it on the back wall and it was getting into the way of the, the dig and the servo horn so i stuck it up in the front left right underneath the right underneath the driver, basically, right up against that firewall on the, <laughs> on the driver's side. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfectly tucked in right there, no, not in the way of anything. I was actually happy that I relocated it to right there.
0: Well, what's also interesting about this car, too, and I, like I said, I think it's a lot it has to do with performance-based, is this is like one of their, I mean, like they've always given you um, or they have provided uh, ways to, to route your wiring and to keep everything all nice and neat, but they actually have, like, everything laid out. Like, that back of the battery tray is supposed to be an electronics housing. Like, you could put your ESC or, you know, a BEC or whatever else you need to have up there, and then they actually have little tabs that bolt on underneath so you can route your wiring for your servo and stuff. It's actually, it's a it, like I said, it's a well-thought-out um, setup.
2: Yeah, there's, like, it, it helps... Uh... Secure all your wires and get them all pinned down so they're not flopping around underneath
0: there. Exactly. Um, and then I guess the last thing, because like I said, I know we've talked about the Capra a lot um, in the last couple episodes is, <clears throat> so I know when you, when we first talked about this, you didn't have that issue because you were running Vanquish axles, but uh, did you see what I meant when you put the Capra axles together and you put the stock servo mount on there you have to use the short you have to use a shorter servo arm otherwise it'll
2: hit the pumpkin yeah i haven't put the links on yet so you know it just got the axle sitting um but yeah i remember we we did talk about that um I, so uh, and i know like the vanquish ones they they have a 20 and a 22 so i'll try the 20 on there first and see if it's uh the know,
0: 20 yeah the 20 should be fine Because that that's the issue I had. I had I, and I didn't even realize it till I actually cycled it by hand. I had just thrown on one of the long like Robotronic style um, wow. server arms that I had, and I didn't think anything of it. And when I swung it back to the passenger side, it would just come to a stop every time. And I was like, oh well, that sucks. Oh, so on the top of the pumpkin. No, it actually wouldn't go past it. It would just hit it and stop. Oh wow. So I mean and that was with no power. I mean I was doing it by hand. If I I'm sure if I put power to it, either a it would stress the servo the servo arm or the servo mount ears because it's just plastic. It would probably try to push the servo sideways, right. or it would just try to power through and just take a chunk of this of the pumpkin out.
2: Yeah, if, you know, especially if it was something that you didn't notice, you know, and. In- You know, obviously you're running a strong enough servo, it's just going
0: to groove the top of that pumpkin out. Yep. Well, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe – I don't know if I'm the only one that that had this issue, but when I tried to put the stock one that they give you, the plastic one with that little metal insert, for some reason it didn't want to go on my MKS. Like, not easily. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to try and, like, press this thing on, so I just said I'm going to throw something else on.
1: I've had a few weird instances lately where servo horns have been kind of like you get it started and then you almost have to put the screw in to like press it on the shaft is really weird. But I've had that happen a couple times lately. Yeah. I've, I've ran into
2: that same thing and you're like, God, do I really want to press this thing on? Cause oh, yeah. I'll
0: <laughs> it off if I have to. Yeah. And see, that was the same question that I was asking myself because I was like, God, oh, I really want to press this one on or uh, I say, especially because, you know, like you just said earlier you know plastic you know some of the plastic like even like what they did with that servo arm is they made it more durable it's still a part that could potentially break so then what do you do in trying to get the rest of it off your servo
2: well especially just pressing it on before you've gotten like perfect center you know like what if you're off and you got to dig that thing off of there and you're...
0: exactly that's
2: you know, it's a small flathead screwdriver in there trying to wiggle that thing off
0: Yep, that's why I was like, eh, I'm just going to put it in the bag, and I will <laughs> use something else for now. So, yep, I actually went with the Axial Hop-Up, you know, their brand for the 25-tooth for the MKS, and it obviously goes on without a hitch, so... You're
2: talking about just one of those, like, green anodized ones?
0: Yep. yep. Yeah, So, uh,
2: I mean... The, that's the, like, the T6, right? I think
0: it's the
2: T6 is what they call it. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the, what the difference in length-wise is on, on a, a, up against one of the Vanquish
0: 20 uh, mm ones. I believe they're the same length because I tr- that was what I did when I was ordering. I was looking for – I was reading the description or like the fine – you know, specs so I could see what the length was because I didn't want to order something that was just as long or not short enough, and when uh, I...
2: I got a 20 mil Vanquish one right here. I'll tell you right now. Just looking at it in the bag, it looks like the uh, the actual one is just a hair longer.
0: Okay, well, then you should yeah, be good then.
2: Maybe, maybe, like, 21 instead of 20 as opposed to the Vanquish one so those that that t6 actual one is probably just hair longer but i don't think yeah. much where it's going to make that much of difference. but if it does it's something to think about the the 20 mil vanquished one is a little bit uh shorter
0: yeah so but uh yeah so jay you've been silent in this one
1: i've just been listening (laughs) (laughs) thinking about the you know just the different things with me having just built one too and like i i chose a servo horn for the capra that was kind of shaped like the axial one and it seemed to work just about perfect like i got lucky with that choice because the drag link and the other link are like perfectly parallel so it was kind of a happy accident (laughs) nice I like
2: like happy
1: accidents yeah that's that's the best kind of. as far as I'm concerned that's the only kind you want to have
0: (laughs) um did you actually get yours running like is yours actually like under its own power
1: yeah yeah I tried out the dig for the first time here in the shop and because I've never had a rig with a dig on it before so immediately that was the very first thing I wanted to play with so I threw it down and it worked really good. I, I need to probably reprogram the switch. I have it to where it's just engaged or not engaged. I don't have a uh front or excuse me, I don't I don't have the rear able to freewheel, you know, so I'm not I'm not taking advantage of that part of it yet, so I, I may decide to go ahead and do that. But uh aside it, from that it it was pretty easy.
0: And that's I guess a question I got for Gene. So you actually got to set it up in a three position
1: right?
2: So I'm running the, my dig on an MT4, an Airtronic. Mm-hmm. They have my dig on the toggle, which is right there at your thumb. So it's full up is engaged. Halfway, and it'll beep again, is the middle position, and then all the way down is locked. So it, uh, my MT4 beats at me, you know, where I'm at. So once I got the endpoint set up just right for that, it's super easy for me to just push it, you know, lead, it's all the way up or it's the middle center and then it's all the way down for the third position. So it's super easy on the Airtronics for me, it was.
0: Okay, because, yeah, because I know, I think I watched um, Matt Kent's uh, video, the Scale Builders Guild video, and he said he had a hard time. It, it was just too touchy to find that, freewheel spot so he just made his
2: fully engaged or fully disengaged yeah just that the night that I decided I would kind of figure out all my programming um, I put it on that channel on the toggle and figured it out right away and was like super happy with how it worked out once I got all the endpoints dialed in and like I said I just drove it around in my garage that night at like 1 o'clock in the morning and was like perfect but this, and then, literally, I was like, "Oh my god, it's one o'clock. I'm going to bed.
0: <laughs> I don't
2: wake up in four
1: hours and go to work."
2: <laughs> but I mean, that's typical, you know. I'm a, a what I like to refer to as an RC insomniac.
1: Oh God, you I'm, and me both, man. Yeah.
2: Anyways, and having a hobby like this is perfect for somebody who doesn't sleep.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, nighttime's really the only time I get to work on any of my own projects, you know, and even then it's pretty typical that I'll have the printer going and I'll just be printing stuff out. And while I'm waiting on it, I'm just sitting there trying to get stuff built. So it's kind of the same type of schedule I'm on.
0: Yeah, I wish I could work like that. I just get too tired and I just go, I'm going to end up screwing something up or hurting myself or so. I'm just like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Because, I mean, I have done it before, and this was a long time ago. Um, I was putting a set of... uh, I was doing the XR mod back when that was, like, the in thing to do uh, to one of my original SCX-10 axles, and uh, it was... uh, Whose kit was that? Was it the Three Brothers Racing, or... I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was somebody... And you had to drill into the axle and they recommended that you drilling on each side of it so that way it would, you know, line up perfectly. You just go through the, the hole that's in the plastic axle and then you flip it over and go through the other hole. So that way you know that you got it where you want it. Well sure as shit. I you know, drilled it and the drill went right through and then right through the other one and right into my finger. Oh. Oh, right God. into the right into the crease of my index finger, and I was like oh and i actually had to hit reverse on the drill to get Ooh. it to come out oh my god ouch <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when i was
1: like all right that's it i'm done we're done for today <laughs> well you know that uh callus it's on like your middle finger you know like on the palm of your yep. hands where you've got a callus right there So I'm sitting there working one night and the Allen wrench slipped and I stabbed the palm of my hand sideways. So it went in by my index finger and it sunk it all the way to where it hit the bone underneath that (laughs) callus. Oh my God, that hurt. That was probably the worst like wrenching accident I've had. And I mean, that was years and years and years ago, but that was definitely the worst RC related injury. (laughs)
0: Yeah, my, my only other ones have ever been – besides that one has been uh, like grinding issues when I'm like cutting things or working on stuff. Um, I made them – well, I was wearing them for a reason, but I had gloves on, and I wasn't paying attention to where my other hand was 100%, and I was uh. trying to grind something, and it sucked just the t- like you could feel it and all of a sudden it was like a burning on the top of my pinky and i'm like oh and i looked and there's like no glove and i could see i could see red oh and i'm going my
1: god! Ah. and yeah is this still on a bench grinder like a wheel grinder
0: no this is a handheld
1: oh dude i've lost a glove through a bench grinder once oh my god that'll get your attention
2: <laughs> yeah i bet <laughs> That'll make you
1: count your blessings and say Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, that's scary. That and the other thing that I'm always super paranoid about, and it happens a lot with cheap, like, Harbor Freight ones and stuff, is um, having Dremel cutoff wheels explode on you. Oh, I've had that numerous times. Oh, my God. I'm. That's probably the one thing I'm the most afraid of tool-wise And I'm using that. And, like, on occasion building, like, prop stuff. You know, I'll use, like, a table saw. Those always make me kind of nervous, but... Man, I tell you what, that the cutoff wheels are kind of my like... Yeah, tonight.
0: a table saw doesn't, well, it, it won't really make you nervous until that one time when it sucks, or when it shoots one of the pieces of wood back towards you. That's when you oh, really go, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just, dude, I'm like, every time I use one of those, I'm nervous, you know? It's like, because I've had that happen before, and that's like the one thing, because I mean, it scares you to death, because it happens quicker, and you can like really process what's going on.
2: Yeah, you can't even blink.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. And so, like, I always get a little bit scared using table saws for that reason. And i, I it's just that one tool I've never been able to relax around.
2: <laughs> You're definitely uh, being super cautious with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, no, it's definitely one of those – you know, you, you know, always be aware of your surroundings, what's going on, what could potentially happen because, I mean, yeah, it's – I don't know. I, I did it once, and I, I could say it was like one of those, like, I guess you could say kind of slash stupidity slash, like, you know, like you know having a little too much faith in what you're working on, but uh, back when I used to make those wood flatbeds, I used to use my table saw to cut the groove into the wood and – you know, I, I just keep setting the guide up over a little bit, you know, like a quarter of an inch, and then I keep working my way over And then you only set the, the – so it's just scraping the the wood just enough to give it a little indent. And I'm always doing that, and I'm like – you know, I'm like, okay, I'm working with a thin piece of wood. If this thing explodes, where's my hand going? Yeah. Right on that blade. And that's when I was like, all right, we're going to start using something else to push this thing across. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, speaking of Dremel grinders exploding, have you ever had a full-size grinder, like a grinder blade on a on a cut on an angle grinder, explode?
1: I not an angle grinder, but a cutoff wheel. I have. Yeah, I've had the cutoff That's wheel. On you know, like an air cutoff wheel. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: it's I've had a cutoff wheel on my angle grinder. I've had those explode.
2: No, I I was uh, uh, cutting granite for kitchen countertops. I had the diamond wheel,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I was cutting some, some darker, like, really hard granite, so it was, like, I was probably getting impatient and, like, pushing, and the blade got real hot, and it cracked, and about oh. a half-inch piece of the actual diamond part of the blade broke off, hit me right in the stomach, and that felt like I got shot with, like, a twenty-two. Um, I didn't even notice how bad that was, but it hit my, my stomach, went up, bounced off my safety glasses, then hit the rim of my hat and flew 20 feet out in the driveway. And I was just what just happened? And the guy I was working with, he's like, dude, you're bleeding. And I looked down at my stomach and I, at that already, the blood was like dripping down into my belly button and oh. like, I'm the grinders going and it's all out of whack because a piece of that thing I shut the yep. off and drop it on the ground and there's see the nick in the safety glasses. so like I'm already bleeding if I wouldn't have had the safety glasses on which obviously that would have just been dumb I probably would have lost an eye and I went and picked up that piece and I found on the ground it stuck it right back into the spot and you know I took that grinder blade off and I just kept working but I remember keeping that it was a DeWalt Grinder blade, four and a half inch grinder blade. I kept that thing in my truck for like a year. I'm like, one of these times, I'm gonna run into a DeWalt rep at a store, and I'm gonna run back out to my truck and I'm gonna give it to him. And I finally I cross paths with a DeWalt rep, and I'm like, hey, I got something for you. Don't move. And I go out there and I hand him this thing, and I pull the piece out, and he's like, whoa. He's like, that was that was bad. I'm like, you don't even know how bad it was. Poked a hole in my stomach. You know, uh, I had safety goggles on, and and, you know, went flying out the driveway. And he's like, "Hold on, I got something for you." He goes over and gives me like two packages of safety glasses and like a bunch of new Dewalt blades. Like, oh nice! Like, give me like sixty dollars worth of stuff. And I'm like, "Fuck, right on, bro!" (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: Uh, The uh, the twenty
2: mil servo horn on a HPL (laughs) five fifty does not hit
1: the pumpkin yeah i was gonna say
0: that's basically what i'm running yeah i just i just
2: mounted one up right now and it clears ju- i mean it's close but it does
0: not hit the pumpkin yeah no i know it's close but it doesn't hit so that's all that matters yep. so yeah um what else we gonna say yeah that's you know really about it um i was say, jay you're recording what uh what what mark are we at
1: right now Hour twenty. Hour
0: twenty. So we're right about that uh, sweet spot.
1: Oh, we had some questions on Facebook too. Uh, let me, uh, let me, it, let me it, go to that.
0: At least you remembered this week. We've totally forgot last week, and we just like went on and we're like,
2: oops. <laughs> I, I thought it really be saying something. I didn't know if, if people were already able to listen right now while we were talking. N-
1: no. Oh yeah, no. I gotta edit it still, and then post it. But this shouldn't be a hard one to edit. So I'll have that up tonight. Um, let's see here. So, Rick Taxera, I believe. I probably just butchered his name. Maybe it's Tahera. I know who you're talking um, about. Okay.
2: It's a super familiar name
1: yeah so it says question for gene i'm interested in doing some ultra ultra four events along with u4 racing what are some tips for a beginner currently i have a wraith 1.9 and was wondering if the 1.9 class was a viable option or should i wait until i can get a 2-2 rig also any recommendations for upgrades thank you
2: so they they do a 1.9 class um there's usually not as many people in the 1.9 class but um there is a 1.9 class you know now so The cool thing about the 1.9 class, especially, and here we go again on the Capra, but I think that at Axial Fest this year, you are going to see a lot more guys in the 1.9 class running a Capra. Hmm. I I really think there's going to be some guys that are going to push. And and one of the main reasons I think you'll see this is because the battery change in the car is really simple. It's right there on top, just like in a bomber. Right. So, yeah. Even though you have to run smaller batteries in a Capra, you know, like um, you're still going to be able. I think I it's going to be a, a viable car for the one nine class in the scale ultra basin. Um, I just I think I really think people are going to you'll see I think you'll see more people than usual um, running this car than in years past like in years past there's maybe been anywhere between like you know three to five guys you know not a lot of guys run one nine um i've actually thought about running the one nine i was thinking about running my ripper in the one nine and i'm like ah i got my bomber it was a purpose-built bomber i actually had some prototype parts on it this year from uh, casey Childs at a high altitude performance rc um so I just I stuck with my bomber. It was you know, I've had the same bomber. and I've literally ran that same bomber in five five Ks so far, and it's wow. every bomber every five K I've entered, I've been able to finish. You know, I'm I'm an old guy, you know, 47 years old, but I'm I'm still out there running the five Ks, and I'm I'm happy to say that I've been able to finish every five K that I've entered so far.
1: That's awesome. And same with
2: the rig, I, I haven't had any failures with my rig either. So. I'm pretty
0: happy with uh, with both. Nice, and I guess to wrap up that question. So, what would you say the other, the second half was? Uh, are there any up, upgrade recommendations? Uh, and would that be for the Wraith One Nine? I'm assuming, or in uh, general, like well, if you wanted? I,
1: I'm guessing the One Nine. If he's going to stick with the One Nine race, I would, you know,
2: obviously, you know, electronics. You know, you want, you know the good, solid electronics, a good, solid servo, um, links, you want it still to be a, an effective crawler, but, you know, it doesn't have to be blistering fast, it's basically just as fast as you can run, you know, you don't want the rig to be, you know, so fast that it's uncontrollable, just, right. you know, a, you want it to be a good pace, and you know, depending on the course, I mean, a lot of the times... I'll run the car out in front of me if, I could, if I'm running straight for a while, coming from obstacle to obstacle, and you can get the car out in front of you and then stop it and then catch back up with the car. But, you know, 5K rigs don't need to be super fast. I think I run a 3500 uh, Holmes Hobby Polar Pro in my 5K bomber. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just getting comfortable with your rig and having – solid parts i mean you know the axle shafts um, i actually still run the wild boar drive lines on my 5k bomber and the reason being is because it's a it's a really easy driveline to have for spare parts like in your backpack or like with what i use I run, I run a tactical vest the and it's a really easy part to change out like you can already have them you know, MIPs are expensive, and they're heavy, and, you know, they, they wear out. The wild boars, I've had really good luck with the wild boars on my 5K rig. I've never ran another drive line other than that on my 5K rig. So that's something to think about. You know, right. the 5K stuff is, is really fun, um, and I've learned a lot racing those over the last years because, you know, a lot of really fast guys, you know, you got guys like Jake Wright that are just, you know, they're just super fit. You know, granted, I'm probably, you know, 15 years older than the guy.
1: But,
2: <laughs> you know, like I said, it's it's all fun. You know, that's basically what right. out there to do.
1: No, that's fun. awesome. Well, it's do you want to uh... – oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Good,
2: it's definitely a good feeling to come across the line on your last lap and know that you finished –
1: you know oh yeah because oh, yeah. that, that's an accomplishment i mean make your body and your car last that entire race that's, right. that's a big it's a big deal oh yeah well is there anybody uh do you want to give a shout out to your sponsors and stuff like that or any uh, buddies that help you out here before we get going oh definitely
2: you know my sponsors i mean i, I wouldn't be where i am with a lot of the stuff that i have no i mean i being hooked up with Kyle at UC Fab, I've learned a ton from him and being able to have his chassis and, you know, run his his cars and not only, you know, mainly the U4 stuff, but, you know, now I've got the, the JHF rig, which I absolutely love, um, you know, Vanquish products. You know, there's, to me, there's no other aftermarket part that I'd want to put on my cars. There's, I mean... Like I said, I've, I've got a 5K bomber that's loaded with Vanquish and I've never had that car fail on me because it's got all the good stuff on it. Um, MKS servos, definitely MKS servos. <laughs> they're just about, the to me, they're, they're just a solid, solid servo. Um, hobbys motors, CalRC, the, uh, the magnetic work mats and the utter butter and the cleaners, you know, keeping the cars nice and fresh and lubed. Um, ultra shoes, I wouldn't be running five K's, you know, if it wasn't for those shoes. Um, that's a definite, you know, big help. Oh, uh, you know, and every, you know, anybody else that's, that's helped out over the years, it makes it easier to have people helping you out with products and stuff. You know, it's like I said, I, I probably wouldn't have what I have now if it wasn't for, you know, sponsors and people helping me out. Nice
0: awesome alright well that uh, concludes another uh, week of that scale RC show
2: Um, I definitely gotta give a shout out to Jay I mean (laughs) I can't not include Jay I mean I got all my graphics and my wraps and my shirts and all my stuff from Jay oh
1: thanks man another
2: part to keeping my cars looking the way they do you know Especially the, the ones with the wraps, you know, like my Bomber wrap. Um, you just did the Deadbolt wrap and now the, the the Capra wrap. And all three of those wraps are all identical. So it's going to be cool to have all three of those cars with the same wrap side by side. Once they get them all wrapped, that'll be cool.
1: that would make, yeah, that'd make for some good pictures. Yeah, because I've sure. got the,
2: the Bomber with my Ultra wrap, the Deadbolt with the Ultra wrap, and now I'll have the Capra with the Ultra wrap. And they're all pretty much the same logos might be a little bit different but once I get all three of those done it's the deadbolt is on my is actually on my vs 410 but that deadbolt has the UC fab top cage front and rear bumpers and sliders so it's oh it's wow. kind of a little bit of a different car I didn't use the same body use the deadbolt body on my vs 410.
1: It is a cool body. They stay out of the way, really nice. Like there's not a lot to get hung up on. And for whatever reason, like I've always had a soft spot in my heart for that thing.
2: I had too. It was. It was. I
1: don't know what it is. It's just cool looking. The,
2: the deadbolt body was my first. Uh, the first car that I raced in U four back, you know, years and years and years ago. The very first was one nine trail, and the deadbolt was the first body that I used on a on an actual rock racer.
1: That's awesome. Cool. Well, guys, thanks for hanging. It was awesome. Yeah, thank and, you. And, uh, have... We will uh, catch all of you next week. So enjoy your weekend.
2: I right, mean, you too.